Hello. Hello. Just give me a minute to sort myself out. Okay. You know, I feel like the post-it note saga, I have to mention it every single time because we have progressed on the saga. The post-it notes weren't working, so now I have brought a pen with me where I have to mark off every single thing I need to say. (laughs) The flags weren't working. Okay. So, oh, thank you. So today we're going to, oh, I'm going to jump straight in. Um, today we're going to be talking about session, session six, yes. Um, how to trade out of something. Now you're probably here, I mean, today is not going to be all brand new information for you. You hear this sort of language come out of um, FOD all the time. But today we're just slowing it right down and going through it step by step. Because we talk about trading out, renewing the mind, um, building. Todd was talking about the inner world today, chaos, how to silence the chaos, all of that. Um, yeah, so, so I'm not bringing anything new per se, but we're, we're just breaking it right down. So how to trade out of something. And I think the, the way that the weeks have rolled into each other, the, the sequence has been quite good. You know, last week we had Belle talking about, you know, how to feed from the tree of life. And that is a big part of... Um, of you know what I'm talking about today, and it, it's the beauty of doing it in a series is there is so much to the subject of self governance. You can't have this conversation without this conversation, and you can't talk about this unless you break down that verse, and you can't talk about this unless you've unpacked this. So I think just you know, is everyone tracking with the series okay? Yes, and please remember if you have any questions, please send them through. Um, you know, I'm sure people have got questions around the things that Rachel raised on parenting or last week about what it actually means to feed from the tree of life because some of those things that were raised we probably haven't thought of before. So what, what, what we're looking for is if anything has shifted the paradigm, they're, they're, that's where the questions should be generated. So please send them through. Um, okay, that fan's going to, or is it that? Is it, the, is it that or is it that? Oh, thank you. All right, thank you. Okay, so how to trade out of something. Now this is, now the reason why I, um, I included this in the series is because this is where we find people struggle the most. Because it's, it's one thing, it's one thing to, to identify an issue in your world, a root issue, and then to exchange it for truth, have a revelation of truth, have an encounter with the Lord, you know, repent. Um, it's, it's the rebuilding phase that a lot of people struggle with. That, that's, that's what I, I have found. And so trading out of something is essentially the, the, the phase of rebuilding. It's the same thing. So you traded into something, which is how we got into the mess that we got into. And then there has to be a rebuilding. From when, when we surrender a mindset, when we repent and we surrender from, you know, a pathway unto the Lord, we then have to trade into, we have, sorry, we have to trade out of that into the new. So when, I'm, when I say trade out of something, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, and everything that I've just said, we've covered in the first, you know, five sessions of these series, right? We've talked about how we get, you know, how we get wounded, what believing a lie looks like, where we raise things above the knowledge of God. Like we've talked about all of those things. So today we're just focusing on the rebuilding phase. Um, and I want to start by unpacking very quickly what deliverance actually is. Now, when I first came, oh, can I have my water? Place. When I first came, um, I've, always, I've always been exposed to deliverance. Uh, my dad used to operate 
um, in the area of, I'm talking about traditional deliverance, like casting out demons. Like in that, that was normal for us growing up. We, we, whenever somebody would come, the, the townspeople of the village that we were in, <laughs> Cooper Petey, <laughs> the townspeople, my dad was kind of like a John the Baptist in the desert. And people would bring, whenever they, you know, whenever people were demonised or they were struggling with addictions, they, they knew where to come. They would bring them to our house. And it was like a system. I don't remember a briefing. I don't remember how it came about. But I just remember that there was a time when we were all shooed into the other, the, the end wing of the house and we started playing in our rooms and mum would run up and down from the bathroom to the lounge room with a bucket. That was my memory. Like, I can't tell you how many times that was just like, it was just normal to be playing Uno and then my mum runs down the hallway with a bucket and there's someone screaming in the lounge room. So I'm not talking about that kind of deliverance. Deliverance is much broader than that, is what I'm saying. Sorry. Just, okay. So I just want to quickly define deliverance first. Deliverance, um, There are two main parts to deliverance, but first, let me unpack what the word it actually is. The Hebrew word for deliverance actually describes um, an escape, a pathway. That's what the Hebrew word for deliverance actually means. So rather than seeing... um, Rather than seeing deliverance as something that you're getting rid of, you're getting rid of something, actually see it as a pathway is created for you to remove yourself from the bondage. That's what deliverance actually means. Now, the reason why I love that, why? Because Christina loves power. And I've recently discovered that I'm a a number eight. I've known that for a while. Enneagram number eight. Um, And, oh, yeah. (laughs) And, And number eights love power. I didn't know that. And here I am week after week. I love power. So there you go. All right. But that's empowering because deliverance is more about us than what it is about the demonic. Deliverance isn't, can we get the demons to let go of the, you know, they're the strong man, they're the stronghold. That's not biblical. Deliverance is actually the Lord creating a pathway for you to leave that behind and walk in the direction which is made for us. That's deliverance. So it's very empowering. See, I haven't crossed off one thing. Do you see that? Absolutely useless. Okay. Okay. So we need to see deliverance as we're not getting rid of something that is actually a pathway that's been provided. And that pretty much sums up what today's about. We're talking about trading out of something, but first it's because he has laid down his life to create a pathway for us. Okay, so back to what I was saying, how there's two main... Now, this is, this is not summed up in the Bible. This is um, something that I have just paraphrased and I've put together. When I say there are two main parts to deliverance, I'm not creating any, any absolutes. I'm just saying generally there are two main components to deliverance. Number one, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, number one, so, so when I say deliverance, I'm talking about wounds, inner healing, um, a- a- any form of deliverance. There are two main parts. Number one, satisfying the legal requirements in the spirit. Because remember we talked about that the spirit world is made up of two main components, a judicial system and agreement. So the two main parts to deliverance, when we're talking about deliverance, is satisfying the legal requirements. I unpacked that two weeks ago where we said that looks like, you know, things like repentance, forgiveness, um, release, renunciation, all of those things. So when you do that, when you come before the Lord and you repent, you identify something and you repent and you renounce or you forgive someone, you are simply satisfying the legal requirements of the spirit world. The second part um, of deliverance is the trading out of which is, another way of saying that is renewing your mind. 
Okay, so satisfying, satisfying the legal requirements and then trading out of something. I'm going to be using the whiteboard a couple of times today. I just find it's, it's probably, oh, oh yes, okay. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna draw a really quick flow chart. I use it all the time, it's quite simple. Hopefully you can see it. So, so this says value systems. Can you see that? No? All good? Okay. I probably should have got Marissa to do this, but... And I also realise this is not very good for the people listening online. Okay. So this is not the be all and end all. This is just a really quick... I'm very visual. So if I can see it as a visual, I can then lock it in somewhere. So this essentially makes up parts of our inner world. So your value systems are formed out of your core beliefs. Now, I'm not going to go into how we do that. That's what I spent the first two weeks doing, I think. Um, so the, your, your value systems are, are, are formed from your core beliefs. Your value systems then produce your operating systems, the way that you function, the way that you do what you do. And then that, of course, produces fruit in your world. So what normally happens, the reason why um, sometimes people realise that they, they're in need of a ministry session or just, you know, that there's an issue, that something's broke, is because of what it's manifesting in their life, what's, what it's producing, right? Now, remember we talked about this is all happening in the subconscious realm. We talked about the subconscious mind is the heart, the heart produces or, or forms the core beliefs. Is everyone okay? Yeah, Okay. So, yeah, what was I saying? Now, the reason why I wanted to show you that, because we're talking out of trading out of, we have to understand what we've built in order to unbuild, okay? So, the value system is what, is what gives us the why, okay? So, the value system... Oh, my gosh, I had one job. Just wait. Okay. The value system is the why. Why we've built the way that we've built, because it's come from our core values, a whole lot of value statements have produced our why. This is the motivation. This is the what and how. So why Christina does what she does. What drives her at a subconscious level, which produces the operating system, which is the what Christina does and how she does it. All right, and what's the top one? I've forgotten already. Oh, Okay, well, pretty simple. This is the outcome or the consequence. Okay? Now, so when we're talking about trading out of, this was, we, we, we built, trading out of is to dismantle what we've built. It's the unbuilding. Yep? Okay. But we have to understand how we've built in order to unbuild it. Now, I'm going to share an example. I'm actually going to use the board again to draw up an example. Now, again, again, this is not the only way that we build from, say, a root of rejection. I'm going to use the root of rejection to show you two examples. It is not the only way. It is a way, okay? So... (laughs) 
why. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's just say the, the um, root issue is rejection. I should have some elevator music on just to entertain you while I'm doing this. Okay. Okay, so do you remember Todd talking about how you can have two people that have been exposed or subject to the same injustice and depending on their wiring and, and their environment or what they're used to, they can build in very, very different ways. So this is the same thing, okay? So you can have, you can have um, a root issue of rejection and that can produce... Um, depending on how they've built, and I'm going to unpack this in a second, that can put, this, this is the value system. This is the core belief. The core belief is I am rejection worthy. Okay? So, it, so this is an, is an overlay of this. Okay? So this is the why. The why is because I'm rejection worthy. And that can produce um, someone who then operates out of pride or rebellion, or it can produce someone who becomes a people pleaser. So you can see there that one is, has probably developed a superiority complex. SUP, right? That's what SUP is, superiority, yep. And one has developed an inferiority complex. Does that make sense? Okay. Again, this is a way. It's not the only way. And, oh, I didn't leave myself enough space. Okay. All right. So someone who was built from a root of rejection and they operate in a lot of pride and rebellion, they would experience cycles of rejection. You guys can't see that at all, can you? Cycles of rejection. Um, they then also have cycles of offence and wounding. So remember, this is the fruit, okay? Offence and wounding... Um, and there's built up resentment. Okay? So that's. If any one of the staff want to come up here and help me, you're very welcome to. Okay, all right. <laughs> so this is the fruit. Um, and over here, people pleasing, cycles of betrayal. Someone who was a hectic people pleaser, and that is how you function, that is how you survive, you will notice that you endure or you experience cycles of betrayal in your world. Again, it's a way, not the only way. Cycles of betrayal, abdication, B. <laughs> I was like, it's one of them. <laughs> um, and again, resentment. Now, I've only just pulled a couple of the ones that are very common. There are many more. Okay, depending on your wiring and, and you know, what was modelled before you and your environment growing up. So we see here a direct overlay of this. We have the why, we have the, the what and the how, and we have the fruit. So the same root of rejection, somebody moves into or operates through a level of pride and rebellion, which produces cycles, and the same, somebody becomes a people pleaser and they, they experience cycles. So that is, that is a, like a snapshot, an example, yep? Okay. 
Now, to move into the next part, I'm, I'm going to be referencing these a lot. The what? Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, oh my gosh, just wait a second. Yes, all right. So I just wanted to get it up there. Does anybody need me to repeat what any of the small writing is? Okay, which one? <laughs> all right, so rejection is the root issue. Two separate, so two different people. It can go either way. So one can build and, and, and um, build and operate and function from a place of pride and rebellion. So they develop a superiority complex. And that can then produce cycles of, uh, cycles of rejection, offence and wounding, and um, resentment begins to build, right? There's that. Or they could um, create an operating system of people-pleasing, which then, so that's the, that's the what and the how, and it then produces cycles of betrayal. Because, you know, think about people-pleasing. What, 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 what happens to people that just constantly betray themselves Unto somebody else. So cycles of betrayal, they abdicate and that costs something as well. They lose there and again, resentment. So again, I could have put 50 different things up in those boxes there, but I just wanted to keep it quite simple for today. So now what we're going to do is I'm going I'm to break down with you the major factors, this is in my opinion, the major factors to be considered when you're wanting to trade out of one of these two things. If you're, if you're, if I'm, as I'm speaking, you're already aware of something that you've built, you're already aware of a root issue that the Lord's highlighted and you kind of, so you know the why and you kind of, you know, yeah, I actually know how I function. I know the way that I operate that completely protects my core value. Just draw another diagram and then fill it in with your own, um, with your own stuff, your own data. You can use these principles across the board. So with that in mind, I'm going to break down for you now some of the major factors to be considered when you're trading out of something. Number one, we need information on the, on the initial motivation, right? The why, the motivation, the root issue, why? The why, the why do you do what you do? This is the value system. The reason why this is important is because when we repent at this level, then we get deep level transformation. When we are only repenting for the trouble it's gotten us into, we don't like the consequence, that's surface level. Surface level repentance produces surface level transformation. So we're wanting to hit the why. We're wanting to hit the, the motivation of the heart. Really, really quickly, an example would be Esau. Esau was sorry because... He missed out on the goodies. He was genuinely sorry for that. We were told that he diligently sought after it, even with tears. So he was genuinely sorry for missing out, but he wasn't genuinely sorry for the why he abdicated and he gave it away. And we're told that he despised his birthright. He completely trivialised the covenant between his grandfather and, and the Lord, right? Completely was just negligent about it. So he... He didn't address that he was careless. The word there, in the original Hebrew, the word despised means careless. He was completely careless with the Lord's plans and purposes for his life on the earth. 
Okay, so that he, was so, he was not sorry for grieving the Lord and, and design, his, his actual existence on the earth. He was sorry for what he had missed out on. Okay? So, um, and, the, and when, it, when it says that he, he, even though he couldn't find a place of repentance, though he sought after it diligently, the word sought there in the Greek is eskateo, and the word eskateo emphasises the motivation of the one who looks for it. So what is your motivation for seeking repentance? Is, what is your motivation? Is it because you don't like what it produces or is it because you don't like what you've made it about? So we, we, the, the aim, the ideal here is to aim for the why. We want deep level transformation. We don't want surface level. Okay. Can we put up Joel 2.13, please? Just, I've, got a, I've got a fair bit of scripture, but we're only touching on them really quickly. I'm only going to pull like a few words out of this one. So it says here, rend your heart and not your garment. So the, it's kind of saying the same thing. Don't have this surface level action of repentance and grief. Break, allow your heart to be torn. Allow your heart to be grieved for what it is that you've built and why you've built it. That's what the Lord's saying here. Thank you. And the why... You know, we, talk, we've, we spent the first four weeks focusing on, you know, deep betrayal, deep injustice, deep sorrow. But I also want to just touch on that, you know, the why can, do, can be produced or come about just by our perception. I ministered to somebody once, we ministered to somebody once, who um, had built an entire operating system purely out of perception because this person was annoyed or... Um, had resentment because their parents didn't, didn't um, consult them as a three-year-old whether or not they should be moving state or country or whatever it was. So as a three-year-old, this person is saying, I should have been consulted because the move affected me too. I'll tell you right now, I don't even consult my kids on things at the age that they are now. Like that's not real, right? So she built an entire operating system on perception, I should have been consulted. I was three. Right? So to, to her, to her heart, it was a genuine injustice. It still needs to be traded out. It still needs to be addressed. But I, what I wanted to do is I don't want you to think deep abuse. I don't want you to think, you know, heinous acts. It can be anything. Your heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? Okay. There's a lot of sniggering in the front over here. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yes, I forget my kids are in here. <laughs> okay, so I just wanted to quickly, um, this is the only time I'm really going to talk about repentance because I've talked about repentance before. Um, so here, so are we ready? So we're, we're the, the number one, remember, was addressing the initial motivation, which is the why, the value system. So are you ready to lay down your right in order? So here, this is where we believe we have rights. The heart is motivated by something. Are we ready to lay down the why? The, the rights that we believe that are upholding our why. Okay? All right. Next, number two. You need to consider how you function as a result. So now we're moving into the operating system. How do you function as a result? The what and the how. The what you do and how you do it. And what that is describing is identifying what we have programmed our hearts to do. We are programming our hearts. That's what we're doing. Now, why is that important? Because your what 
So this is the, so the core the core belief reveals the deficit. This is a deficit. It's not that's not built on the rock. This person has not built on the rock. This person is built on a lie. So the lie reveals that there's a deficit there. Where where the, where, you, where our feet are not on solid rock, there is deficit. We fall short in our value systems. So why was I even talking about that? Oh yes. Okay. So where there is a core belief that's a lie, built on a lie, and everything we're talking about is, yeah, um, reveals a deficit. And the count, so your operating systems become counterfeit pathways for you to fulfill that, or fill that deficit, right? I'm not getting it in truth. I, will, I create my own ways to get what I need. That's pretty much what your operating system is. Now, remember, this is outside of the Lord. It's quite warm in here, isn't it? Do we? You can turn it back on. I'll just weigh everything down. It's okay. <laughs> That's fine. You can turn it back on. Um, okay, so remember this. What we, we've covered this. We've covered the motivation. This is the level that we need to repent at. Now, this becomes the counterfeit pathways. Your operating systems based on a lie, are counterfeit pathways for you to fill that gap, for you to fill the deficit. Yep? Okay. And I just want to put up something interesting. Can you put up Luke 14, 28, please? For which of you intending... (laughs) That made me giggle, sorry. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid down the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish it. Now, what we see here is, uh, that's a really good illustration of what actually takes place in the spirit realm. When you begin to build here, when this becomes the foundation, a root issue is a foundation that is laid. When something becomes a core belief, that becomes your rock. It's not the Lord, but it becomes your rock, Right? When you lay down that foundation and you begin to build and operate in order to get what you need, you are not thinking beyond the immediate need to cope, the immediate need to survive. You're not, you're not anticipating what my faulty building is going to produce in my life. So you begin to build in a way that you actually are not set up to withstand the storms. You're building on the sand. Okay? So when we believe that we're having to build in our own ways and in our own understanding, we are not able to finish. We haven't been able to count the cost of what this is actually going to do for us. And the mocking agent there is the devil. Because even though he might have brought about the reason why you're feeling the way that you feel, it's, it's your wounding, it's your, it's your deficit. At a time when you felt you had no other option, it's your deficit that he brings before God day and night accusing you. Now, we've talked about this at length, so I'm not going to go into that again. Okay, so I just want to remind you guys that this is a really good illustration of, of what we're, um, what, how we're measured in the Spirit. And I'll just repeat, we build in our own ways without anticipating the cost beyond the immediate need to cope. So the enemy uses our need to survive against us. Number three. Number three, one of the major factors to consider is how, how this, how you've built, how it serves you. It serves you. Even just, even just unto protection, protection serves you. Now remember, we are not vilifying the heart. Wherever we've built based on a lie, 
is because at the time we believed we didn't have any other option. Is everyone okay with that? Like, I don't want to keep rehashing, but that's, that's, that's what we covered in, in one and two, sessions one and two. So how, we, we have to identify how has my, what, what I've built internally, my value system, my operating system, and all of that, like, how, how is that serving me? And in that, which, so when you identify how it serves you, that's when you are then identify what is the cost of now yielding this? What is the cost of actually surrendering this to the Lord? What is the cost of yielding it and what is the cost of not? These are things you have to consider. For example, let's use the, the people pleaser. For example, the cost of yielding would be vulnerability and not controlling the outcome. Allowing, allowing the, the truth of how people see you without your works and your efforts seeing where that lands requires you to be vulnerable. You relinquish control. What I, what I forgot to say here is this person struggles with fear, this person struggles with sin. Just wanted to put that up there. So when, when the person who is um, th- considering what's it going to cost me to yield this operating system, they now have to confront the fear because the fear is what's motivating them. I can't be rejected. I can't be rejected. So I have to do what my friends like. I have to continually betray myself and defer all the time because I, I want people, I want to make sure people like me. So the cost of yielding this operating system, if this person was sitting down and mapping themselves, would be, well, it's going to cost me vulnerability. It's going to cost me relinquishing control and allowing relationships to reveal what they actually are. And the cost of not yielding it would look like continuing to betray yourself. And the irony in that is it continually reinforces the fear of rejection. Because when you continually betray yourself, you're rejecting yourself and you're never actually getting, you're never actually, the deficit will always remain a deficit because it's counterfeit pathways. There will never be fulfilment. It will be like throwing pebbles into a black hole. Again, I'm summarising massive conversations just in a few words. It's not the only way. Now, the next portion of Scripture might sound a little bit harsh, but it's not. The reason why I wanted to include it in this part of the conversation when we're talking about the cost of surrendering an operating system, the reason why I wanted to to bring it is because this is the scale in which we are weighed in the Spirit. Okay? So if we can put up Isaiah 28, 15. Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, And with Sheol, we are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood, we have hidden ourselves. Now, basically what what he's saying there is whatever we've built to protect ourselves is considered a false refuge. It's It's a refuge of lies. So this, at a time, helped us cope. It helped us survive, and that's okay. But we can't remain in covenant with death. Right? And, 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 you know, it's funny. People might think, well, a covenant with death is a bit extreme. Like, I'm just believing a lie of rejection. Well, actually, all lies come from the same source. It's a substance of hell, and hell is death. So we are in covenant with death in, in, in across the board. Okay. So 
again, anywhere where we've built something to protect ourselves, it is not counted as sin against us for disassociating. It's if we choose to remain in covenant, right? So disassociation is a God-given coping mechanism. All right, next. Oh, actually, I just want to quickly on that. The word covenant there in the original Hebrew means to select, sorry, the root word. Just one second. Got things happening up here. So the word covenant there in that portion of scripture, the root word that it comes from means to select and to feed. So you've chosen it and then you're feeding it. Actually, in the Hebrew there, it's talking about giving it meat. So we're giving substance. We are so in agreement with it that we're actually investing in, we're giving it substance, we're feeding this thing. So the spirit world here doesn't view us as victims. Okay? Now, the spirit world. It says that the enemy goes before the Lord day and night accusing you. That's, that's the spirit world. The spirit world doesn't view us as victims. We are viewed as invested partners with the lies of the enemy. That's why I'm so passionate about unpacking all of this because the very thing that makes us feel powerless is the very thing that we're feeding into and we are so much more empowered. We are empowered beyond our wildest dreams, to be honest. To be able to walk away from an injustice and allow the Lord to deal with it and vindicate and to, be, to, to actually come into agreement with the fact that it no longer lays claim to you, that's extremely liberating. That's, that's empowering. So I just want to repeat that. The spirit world doesn't view us as victims. We are viewed as, according to that portion of Scripture, we are viewed as, in, we are viewed as invested partners with the lies of the enemy. Number four, is everyone Okay. Okay. But the good news is you've been given lots and lots of keys in the first five sessions if, you know, if, if he's breathing on something. Okay. Number four, how much of our world is underpinned by this? So we might, in our minds, go, oh, yeah, I can, I can see how that affected my teenage years or whatever. And we, we tend to isolate things. But actually, how much... Cause Whatever's in the heart, it's the same heart that you parent from. It's the same heart that you spouse from, that you friend from, that you, you know, that you, that you, you work from. It's the same heart. So, so this will manifest in different ways in different areas across your life. So, so begin to identify, how, how is this, what is this underpinning in my life? How much of my world is established on, on these pathways? How does it influence the way that I parent, spouse, friend, lead, how much of, essentially what I'm saying is this, how much of our identity is established or formed through those counterfeit pathways? Now, it might be a little bit confronting when you start looking at your life that way, but it's not supposed to be, okay? There is, we are, we are talking overall, we're talking about a lifestyle of repentance. And repentance isn't just saying you're sorry. Repentance is completely transforming, completely, you know, uprooting and, and taking a completely different trajectory. Um, and, and that seems confronting, but there's nowhere in the Word that actually talks about that we are put to any disadvantage, disadvantage through repentance. There's nowhere in the Word that supports that any form of repentance, regardless of the cost that puts you at a disadvantage. 
That's the language of the enemy. That's language of defeat and discouragement. They're, they're currencies of hell. It's not truth. So it may seem a little bit um, confronting, but I'm going to present to you then Psalm 127.1 that says, Unless the Lord builds a house, they labour in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards a city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. So when I, when I read that, what that's, how that speaks to me is that if I maintain my counterfeit pathways, if I maintain what I've built in and of myself, it will be a perpetual, constant drain emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally. It's all in vain. I need the foundation to be the rock. The Lord needs to build the house that then when I watch over it, it's not in vain. Okay. We want to remove the, 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 the things that siphon life and energy from our worlds. Anything built outside of him is in vain. Okay, next one, number five. Again, we're talking about major factors to consider when you want to trade out of something. What will the deconstruction involve? Because we've built this, there's this construction, now we need to deconstruct. We need to think about what the deconstruction will involve. It's a process. Now, sometimes by the time we identify that there's something not okay about our walk or the way that we've built, it feel, it's that, it's that um, awakening or that awareness of I've actually been, I've actually separated you from my life. So we have, we become aware of this, oh, you're actually not in this. I've built outside of you. I've actually pushed you away through this. Now, that is not true for the rebuilding phase because the truth is the Lord has never left you nor forsaken you. That even if we've made our bed in Sheol, He is right there. So that when we begin to deconstruct and we go through that scary process of yielding, we're doing it with Him. All right, so the fruit of our own ways is we, and we have that awakening, that awareness, we realise, oh my gosh, I actually don't know you. So then the building isn't to then get to him. He's already right there. He's already in you. He's already with you. So you begin the building phase in him. The reason why I park on these things that might seem basic is because these are lies that the enemy leverages off of. Remember I said to you, the rebuilding phase is where we find that people struggle the most. So... And the reason why I went there was because when you begin to deconstruct, you now get to do that with wisdom. You now get to do that with Him. Can we put up Luke 6.48, please? So, um, He is like, okay, I don't even remember what it said before this, so just bear with me. He is like a man building a house. Oh, someone who, who hears His Word and does it, yes. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. So what this, again, the Scripture's talking specifically and directly into the rebuilding phase. And what it's showing us is there needs to be a deep excavation. It's talking about this. If we want to relay the foundation, we can't do it surface level. If you want to completely demolish a house, you don't just remove the stud walls and then just chuck a slab of concrete on top of the old concrete. There has to be a deep excavation process in order for the foundation to be laid. And that, again, is we're talking about repentance at a heart level. So, and everything that I've just been talking about, we see the... Con sorry, just... 
We see the concept of those two main things around deliverance and, and, and transformation that we're talking about. Always satisfying the legal requirement and always trading out of. Okay? Now, I'm now going to move on to the practical outworking of trading out. So the, the, the list that I just ran through was things to think about, things to help you map. Go into it informed. But now I'm going to go straight into um, yeah, the, the things that we can do, the practical, thing, the practical outworking of then trading out. So I've talked about what you need to do and what you need to know to pull out the pillars, the counterfeit pillars that are upholding this and now how to um, trade out. Again, there are many ways of doing this. This is just the ones that I, I find um, good. All right, can you put up Romans 12 too? Everyone knows this one. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is, that, what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Now, that tells us, if sometimes we feel like we've had this massive you know, revelation of an area that we actually have built outside of the Lord and we have a deep encounter, we, we feel His substance and we repent. Again, ticking that box of satisfying the legal requirement. Here, this is the, that scripture is basically telling us now, not, not every time, sometimes people can completely set free of something through the deep revelation of truth and who He is, and they never get triggered again in that area, or they never, you know, attempted or tested again, like whatever. Like that, that has not been my experience, but it happens, right? Um, but what this scripture is talking about here is that we have to be proactive. We actually have to be intentional about outworking that which we have identified is outside of the Lord. Now, I wanna, I wanna just break it down just for a couple of seconds here. This is obviously in the New Testament, so it's written in the Greek. The original Greek word there for conformed. So do not be conformed. That word conformed means to fashion self. Now, do you remember in session four, we were talking about wounds? We were talking about um, how, um, you know, he, uh, how wounds, the, the root word of the word, no, the wounds actually means an idol, right? So do not be conformed. Do not fashion yourself according to the perception of what the injustice, the betrayal, the wounding, the pain, the loss, the sorrow is speaking to you. So don't just think of this. I've always read that scripture as don't become worldly. When I was growing up, the main words that I heard in church were worldly. Don't be worldly. Don't be, don't be those people that, you know, um, give over to gross sin. That's not very helpful when you're not in that, you know, arena. This here is when we break it down, we go, do not, be, do not fashion yourself, do not mould your identity based on the things that, that we've built on. This, this is things of the world. Because the world has, it is through our experience of the world that we have formed these core beliefs. So do not fashion yourself. That's what the word there means, conformed. Do not allow yourself to, to take on the likeness. It actually means likeness. Do not allow yourself to take on the likeness of the betrayal, the wound, the pain, the injustice. Do not take on the likeness. And the word there, renewed, we all know what it means, but it, you know, it means repetition, intensely. It means a reversal, which is interesting. Sorry. Interesting because it is through repetition of trauma and information that the enemy 
presents to us, bombards us with. He, he only comes to kill, steal and destroy. There is, no, there is no first, second, third gear. He's always in top gear. He's always, I mean, I just said to you that the guy goes before God day and night accusing you. So he's very intentional about everything that he does. So it, so it is through repetition, it is through intensity that we, that, that we are presented with, you know, consistently presented with information that reinforces the core beliefs that are built on sand. So do not be conformed, but repetitively, intensely renew your mind. That's what that scripture is talking about. Don't take on the likeness of this. Reverse how you've built by using the same modality. But this time you are in control. This time you were doing it with purpose. This time you were doing it with conviction. What I'm going to do now, is everyone okay? Yep, okay, very good. I want to quickly just draw something. Okay, I won't be long. Can you put up Proverbs 16, 9, please? A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. The reason why I wanted to include this scripture is the word there, directs, means to fashion. So we're now going back into the Hebrew um, the Hebrew version of what we've just read in the Greek, it means to fashion, right? So the, your heart will begin, you, your, your heart will do what it does. And, and here it says that the Lord directs your steps. So the Lord, His desire, His plan for us, the redemptive plan to deconstruct and trade out is to begin to fashion our ways, fashion our steps. So His plan has always been you know, he's very aware that we process subjectively. He's very aware that our heart is deceitful and wicked. He's the one that gave us our hearts. He planned, he, he created us in this way. So he gave us the heart which plans in our own ways. And it's his, his desire to be directly involved in the fashioning of the pathway out, which is the actual meaning of deliverance, right? So we have to, so your heart will always process subjectively and that is okay. It is actually you functioning in your original design. The heart processes subjectively, that's okay. But as we need the Lord to be continually, that's, that proverb there basically says, always keep the Lord, in, 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 be in lockstep with Him. Invite Him into that process because then He becomes the power source. That's the promise there. He becomes the power source of carving out your new pathway, your new thought pathway. That's what that proverb is telling us. It's saying it's okay to process subjectively, but as long as you keep the Lord in, invited, because He doesn't fight your free will, you keep Him invited into the process, He becomes the power source of carving out a new pathway. It shouldn't be a grind. Okay, so how is this practical? Let me go back to the whiteboard. Okay. I'm going to do my best to draw a brain. <laughs> Doesn't it? And then it has like a little, is that a brain? No, it looks like a thought. It's, I don't know, it's a, it's a brain, okay? For those listening, I've drawn an amazing image of a brain. Now, I don't even know, I was having this conversation with Ebony before, I don't even know what, I think it's called a neural pathway. Is that right? Very good. It's a neural pathway. Ebony's Googling like crazy. She's like, don't say this and don't say that. Okay, it's a neural, we're good. It's a neural pathway. So 
I'm, and I'm going to be landing on this in a minute. This is now, we've, mo- we've moved into the practical outworking of trading out of something. Yeah? Number one, if you're taking notes, number one, expect to trigger. You do not fail when you trigger. Expect it. It's okay to trigger. It's what you do with the information. It's what you do with the trigger that matters. Now, this is where, it's, we, we are, this is where we're actually carving out a new pathway. So, let's just say you've, um, you've dismantled this whole thing through repentance and you've had a revelation of truth and you realise, I actually, I'm not rejection worthy. I, I've, I've identified the lie and I've surrendered it to the Lord. I've had, a, I've had a beautiful encounter. And in that encounter, he said to me that, you know, um, I'm, I'm everything to him, or whatever, right? So you are worthy. So we now know that's worthy. That, that, that comes from revelation. But these pathways, what we've built, needs to be traded out of. They become well-trodden paths. It's like lightning speed. So let's just say you get triggered, after you've had this amazing encounter and you feel really good, I call it the honeymoon phase, you feel really good for a few days and then somebody says something that would normally you know, trigger you, they say something next week and, and it triggers the same feel, like you know, the, the things that you've become really familiar with, the feels. You've come, become familiar with the feels of when you trigger around rejection, right? I need to borrow someone's phone. Okay. okay. Um. All right. So when you trigger, say, say something's happened over here. This is a lightning. That's a trigger. And let's just say the old pathway. So normally the, the old you, the, the trigger, somebody says something, does something, you don't get invited to something, I don't know, whatever it is, it, it causes you, it sends information and bang, you think this. You perceive the information, what's being said to you, what, what you're seeing with your eyes, what you're hearing, what you're feeling. You're like, oh, I know what that is. That's because I'm, this is all in the subconscious. This is all lightning speed, right? It triggers the unworthiness. It triggers a rejection, which then produces this feeling, which then produces this thought, which then produces this act, which then produces this thought, which then produces this feeling, and so on and so on. And that happens at lightning speed. And um, it is scientifically proven that we are so addicted to this pathway as much as a heroin addict is addicted to heroin. We are addicted to the familiarity. We get comfort out of the familiar, how do you say it? Familiar, the stuff we know, okay? We We find comfort in the stuff that we know because we know it's going to produce this, it's going to, and that, that becomes familiar to you, okay? And it is scientifically proven that we are hectically addicted to, to that, okay? Now, so I said to you, it's okay to trigger. It's okay to trigger the next week, even though you know you've had a revelation of truth, because this is a well-trodden path, and it's very difficult. It's like when the rain hits you, the, the car window, when I was a kid, I used to, in the raindrops would fall, but you know how there'd be a main vein that the water would rush down? And I'd be like, how does that blooming drop over there end up in this vein of water? Because it's, a, it's already carved out. It's, 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 it's the path of least resistance, okay? So when you do trigger and the information comes, so you, you, you actually trigger again, you are no longer obligated to then go from point A to point B. It's okay that you've landed in point A. Totally okay. 
So what you're empowered to do now is you're empowered to then carve out a new pathway to create a new point B, which then creates a new point C, D. How embarrassing if I got that wrong. A, B, C, D, A, <laughs> right? And over time, you, you employ this new pathway, which feels like something. It actually feels like something to carve out a new pathway, right? Over time, this one gets, it just collapses, okay? All right. So num- the, the whole step number one for how to practically outwork trading out is expect the trigger. It's okay. You might not, but more than likely you will. And this is what is, this is be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is going back to your vomit, pretty much. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You are no longer obligated. See, see how I'm very intentional with my language? You are no longer obligated. That is, that's, that's the language of power. You are no longer obligated to keep to allow your life to be siphoned out of you and your energy and keep giving your power away to whatever it was that caused you to believe that you were rejection worthy. You are no longer obligated to be the person that you were a minute before you repented. That has been life-changing for me. I've walked away from situations going, I, am, I, don't, I don't have to be the person that I was five minutes ago. I have actually broken cycles in my life by simply going, I actually don't have to be the person I was when I woke up this morning. I actually don't have to be. Thank you. All right, number two. My phone has switched to some weird function where, I, oh, no, there it is. Okay, all right. Okay, number two, slow down the matrix. How do you practically trade out of something? So number one, Renew your mind, carve out a new pathway. Number two, slow down the matrix. I've talked about that in detail, right? We did a whole um, session on that, which is very much part of the rebuilding phase. So when, you, when you're triggered, how do, you, how do you apply slowing down the matrix here? You're triggered, you stop, you hold the information because it's, it's, it's out here. It's subjective. You hold it out here and you make it objective, Right? So you're not taking responsibility. You hold it out here. Anyway, go back to listen. I don't remember what session it was, but I've talked about it. But here, just on slowing down the matrix, can you please put up Proverbs 24.3? We all know this one. Through wisdom, a house is built and by understanding it is established. So when you are rebuilding, I said before that we now engage the rebuilding through wisdom, right? We are now using the greatest architect in the world, in the universe, not what the occult have made that out to be. We are using the author of who we are to rebuild our inner world. And the word understanding then means to separate mentally, to discern. So rather than just take on false responsibility, go path of least resistance, I know what to do with this, bang, because I'm I'm addicted to the comfort of this. I'm now going to allow understanding, which is actually part of his character and nature. You are now pulling on a part of a, a, his, a facet of who he is. I'm now going to allow um, understanding to, to test and weigh the information, to separate and rightly divide. I'm now going to discern before I lay a brick down. Right? That's what that, that's what that proverb's talking about. Number three, remove your heart from the situation. What am I even talking about here? We are beings of survival. I've talked about this a lot. And the reason why we've, we've laid um, foundations built on lies is because we've had to survive a moment, okay? So that, that's, that's part of our human instinct. 
So we believe that we needed to survive a moment. Now, sometimes that's true. Sometimes our life is genuinely depending on that moment. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes because the heart doesn't like embarrassment, the heart doesn't like confrontation, the heart doesn't like confusion, the heart doesn't like betrayal. So we, we create our own, like, oh, this is why. And you create your own Bible, okay? So what am I talking about when removing your heart from the situation? The need to survive. So I'm not talking about having to run out of a burning house. I'm talking about when you're triggered, when you're triggered or you know, you're facing another, another cycle or whatever, the fact that you feel I have to survive this moment is a lie. You don't have to survive it. Survival is not the language. That's not life-giving language. That is fear-inducing. Survival is fear-inducing. Okay, so by re- when I say remove your heart from the situation, I'm talking about, because um, survival makes you build false refuges, okay? A refuge of lies, okay. Um, can we put up Isaiah 28, 16, please? So this, this portion of Scripture, in my opinion, speaks directly into the lie of survival. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a, a stone. Well, let me start again. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. The word there believes means build, to build. So whoever builds on that foundation stone will not be rushed, will not be, will not be forced to be reactionary, will not be forced to act from a place of survival. That's what, I mean, I'm sure there are many ways to unpack that, but that's what I'm, how I'm going to unpack that today. So that speaks directly into survival. Is everyone okay? Okay, very good. You thought I was joking about the post-it notes. <laughs> so basically, I'm just going to run through what I've got because, yeah. So when we exchange a lie for truth at a core belief level, the truth now becomes the sure foundation. That's it there. And that is what establishes inner peace. When we have the core belief built on the rock, because a rock can't be moved, the more rock you have, the more of your core beliefs that are built on the rock, you could be in the middle of a tornado and you won't be moved. So when the same information presents itself, it doesn't trigger survival instinct. It doesn't allow the external world to make a demand, an illegitimate demand, do this, act now, you must survive. The Lord was never, when He, when he was a human being on the earth, He was never, he, was, he, he never acted out of survival. So again, that information no longer, when you're trading out of it, no longer gets to trigger a survival instinct and you won't feel the demand, the pressure the, the, the immediate demand from external factors. All right, number four, and then I'm going to land. Number four is give yourself permission to see you no longer. Oh, I kind of already said this. So give yourself permission to see you have no obligation to operate in the old pathways. And that's what was described in Isaiah 28, 15. The, the, the false refuges. Like you no longer have to find, find counterfeit shelter in your counterfeit refuge. So what I'm going to do in landing, I really want to emphasise the fact that trading out of something can be 
just like, just like it took you a while to build it and establish it, don't be discouraged when you have to spend days or weeks trading out of it, especially if it's your big one. You know how sometimes we have a really big one and we know when the Lord's addressing one of our big ones. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't established in a minute. Like be kind to the process, be kind to yourself. As long as the Lord remains the power source, as long as we are not going back to the lie, we're not, we're not plugging ourselves into the power source of the lie. It's a process. It looks like something. And renewing your mind. Again, I said that this is where we struggle the most. I said this at the very beginning of the conversation. Trading out is where people struggle the most because it is in the micro decisions of your daily life. And when so much of your daily life is just already habit, 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 you wake up in the morning expecting to feel the way that you feel. That's, you know, I said before that I have traded out of something by simply going, I actually am not obligated to do this anymore. So I caught it first thing in the morning. As soon as I came to some level, before I even cracked my eyelids open, I'm already feeling, I'm already aware of feeling crap. So you grab it then and there and you go, no, no, there is too much in my life to testify that I am worth more than waking up feeling like crap. But we're so used to it. We're so used to it. So I have traded out of things by saying, no, 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 life's amazing. Life's amazing. Build with what you know. Remember, I've said that all throughout the series. Go back to your lowest common denominator. Build with what you know. Micro decisions daily. Don't despise small beginnings. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. And... It's not a failure if you, tr- if you trigger. Don't get discouraged. It's a well-trodden pathway that you are now going to rebuild a new pathway. And the best thing about it is, because again, I love empowering language, triggers now become opportunities. They become opportunities to carve out a new pathway and to build with understanding. Treat it like a case study if you have to. Triggers become opportunities. And survival is the opposite to understanding. Survival is reactionary. It's powerlessness. Understanding is shrewd. It's skillful. A house built by knee-jerk reactions is a liability. Can you imagine if you knew your builder was building your house with knee-jerk reactions? (laughs) A house built with skill and intelligent strategy is a guaranteed sanctuary. So now I'm going to give you your homework. I would, I mean, you probably guessed it already. It's quite simple. I would like you, if you want to, to identify something that the Lord has been asking you to trade out of. Now you, not just a word, oh, he wants me to trade out of this, but now you can apply all the data points, all the mapping keys that we've given. Begin to identify, not vaguely, but really unpack it. Something that he's been asking you to trade out of. This is life-changing stuff. Thank you for listening. <laughs> um, oh, oh, communion. Grab <laughs> okay. your communions. I've always said that the landing is like, closing a meeting is the most most disjointed part of what I do. Holy Spirit, we thank you that the greatest trade 
the greatest trade was what you did, that you laid down. That the Father gave up His only Son, laid down His life, anticipating every loophole, aware of every snare, so that Psalm 91 would become a reality, not an abstract concept that You have given every provision that we could be in the centre of trials and tribulation, the snare, the pestilence, the arrows, the cobra and the lion, but we will not be moved. We thank You that we get to partake of what You did, that we get to reap the benefits of the greatest trade that You made. Thank you for that in Jesus' name.